Well, praise the Lord. I'll tell you, tonight is Bible study night, and uh, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to have some Bible study. Are you ready? Go to Genesis 22. We're going to dig in. Praise the name of the Lord. Genesis 22. Hallelujah. Of course, uh, Genesis 22 tells the very famous story in Scripture of uh, Abraham and Isaac going up to the top of Mount Moriah, where Abraham heard the voice of the Lord telling him to do something that he thought he'd never hear the Lord tell him to do where the Lord told him to take his only son and head on up to Mount Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice. So where I want to pick up reading is uh, about halfway along their journey there. Isaac's going along and Abraham's going along. And let's start reading with verse 7. It says, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since that you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. In other words, uh, in the, the, the original King James Bible, it just spells it out, Jehovah Jireh. And this is what Jehovah Jireh means. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And uh, the title of our study tonight is Provision for the Mission. Provision for the Mission. And um, interesting thing today, I I love words and... uh, I wanted to look at some of the roots of uh, certain words here, particularly provision and mission. So I wanted to look at uh, uh, the etymology of the words, where where they came from and what their original usage was. Provision, the, the original intent behind that word was actually to look ahead, to have foresight 
in preparation or to provide beforehand. And what it means is really to see in advance or before the need is known. The great thing about God is he has prepared an answer before we even figured out there was a need. God prepared an answer before we even figured out there was a need. So we see provision once again, carrying that connotation of looking ahead, foresight and preparation, providing beforehand. And of course, in the process of looking up the word provision, I also stumbled across the word improvision, which is the want of forethought or the lack of forethought. And I'm here to tell you tonight, God does not and cannot improvise. You know what improvise means. That when somebody's going to wing it. You know, musicians improvise a lot. When it's time to take your solo, and it's like, oh boy, I have no idea what's going to happen. We're just going to go ahead and let it fly. It's called improvising. But God doesn't improvise. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because it is impossible for God to do something that he hasn't already thought about. Because he knows the end from the beginning. So it's not possible for him to get to a point where he's in the middle of a situation that he hasn't thought much about yet. Because <laughs> he's God. So God does not improvise. I just thought I'd throw that little nugget at you. But then I looked up, besides provision, I looked up the word mission. And, and, and the original use of the word mission is literally ascending abroad or the act of sending or to dispatch. How many of you know that the people that work for police dispatch are the ones who get the calls and then they make the call and say, car number 33, you got to go to such and such a, a scene. So to dispatch is to send. So when we put together our title for tonight, which is provision for the mission, this is what I want you to get. That provision for the mission is when God looks ahead into your future. And he looks at what he's sending you forth to do. And he looks at what you will need in order to do what you're sent forth to do. And that God will ensure that what you need will be there when you get to that particular point in time. <laughs> yeah. One more time. Provision for the mission is when God looks ahead into your future and he looks at what he is sending you forth to do. He looks at what you will need in order to do 
what you're sent forth to do. And that he ensures that what you need will be there when you get to that particular point in time. I told you we're going to do it. Come on up, Joe. You, You just have to stand right here. This is good. Now, starring as the Lord tonight, Mr. Joe Tremblay. He doesn't want your prayer requests though, all right? (laughs) This is what I need you to do. See this cup of water? Yes. I'm going to go walk over there to to the end of the stage. That's going to be my starting point. Before I get to my starting point, I need you to very simply make sure that this is right here. Just just put it right there and go back to your seat. That's all you got to do. Okay. Nice and easy. But you got to do it before I get to my starting point. Okay? All right. Here we go. Stick with me now. We're going to have some fun with this. All right. Here I am at my starting point. And I'm going along in life. Serving the Lord. Now, before I started, God already made sure that something was going to be there that I was going to need at a certain point in my life. But I decided to go this way. Oh, no, 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 no. Turn around. That's what the word repent means, turn around. So I'm turning around. I'm getting back on track. And I'm continuing on my journey. And here we are, mountaintop experience right here. Yeah, life, life is good. Yeah, I, I feel it like the prophet Elijah. I, I, I just, uh, just had a party knocking out all those false prophets on top of the mountain, and I feel real good. But then, a valley experience. But because I'm staying on the road and I'm, not trying to deviate from the plan, right at the moment where I need it the most. Something that I needed to be there at that particular moment in time, before I even started the race, God made sure that it was there. Come on, somebody. Hey! So what are you going to do? Are you going to deviate? See, if you deviate, you don't get your cup of water. If you deviate, then those strategic points along the way where God had you set up, you're not there to get the blessing of that because you went down your own road. But when you're on his road and you're fulfilling his mission, there's always provision for the mission. Oh, yeah. Provision for the mission sounds like the words of Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, where it said, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. What's the wealth? That's the provision. What's the covenant? That's the mission. Come on now.
Ron, I'm going through that one fast. If you can get me another, I'm going to need it. Y'all got me so excited tonight, I'm extra thirsty. So I want to deal with two particular areas of provision for the mission. First of all, is supernatural direction and insight. When, when I'm talking about supernatural, I'm not talking about ooh, spooky stuff, you know. It's just, it's beyond the natural. It's of the spirit realm. It's not of the natural realm. Supernatural direction and insight. Or in other words, knowing where to go, who to talk to, and where to find what you need. Oh yeah. Supernatural direction and insight, knowing where to go, who to talk to, and where to find what you need. And the other particular area that we're going to talk about as we talk about provision for the mission is favor. Someone say favor. Favor. Someone say, I got the flavor of favor. (laughs) Go to 1 Kings 17. Now I got some great scripture for you tonight. So I got to tell you, that if you don't have a Bible, if you can, if you can get the, the Bible up on your smartphone, that is a worthwhile move. If you don't have a smartphone and don't have a Bible, look for a neighbor who's got one and get close to them. Because there, there, there are some wonderful treasures in here tonight that, that I want to look at. But, but, but I, I, want, I want you to do a lot of the reading with me. I want you to see this for yourself and get this for yourself. Because there's some wonderful things that I believe the Lord wants to get across to us here. First Kings 17, let's start reading with verse 1. And it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here. And turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Which means if he thought, Lord, I don't like that brook. I prefer this other brook on the west side rather than this one on the east side. So I'm going to go there. But... If he went to the brook on the west side instead of the one on the east side, those ravens did not get the commandment from the Lord. So if he was looking for those ravens to feed him, they'd just be looking at each other and saying, that's all he's going to get, some squawking raven looking at him. But he wasn't going to get any provision unless he was in the place where the mission was, the place where he was sent. Come on now. Verse 4, once again, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, 
which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So if Elijah thought, well, I don't really like Zarephath. I'd rather go to Nazareth instead of Zarephath. Well, he may go to Nazareth and think he had a bright idea. But he can look, talk to every widow in town. And all the widows say, get away from me, you crazy old prophet. Because there was only that widow at Zarephath that God had already commanded, that God had already spoken to ahead of time, that when the prophet shows up, you take care of him. So in other words, Elijah, you just stay with your mission and you'll get the provision. And so he went to Zarephath and uh, if we were to read on the story, we'd see that truly there was. That widow there who took care of him, she didn't have much herself. She said, I'm about to have my last meal with me and my son and die. I mean, famine's on. It's not raining. Hasn't rained for a long time. But, but the, the interesting thing is this, is that at the end of the story, down in verse 15, it said that she, the widow, and he, that's Elijah, and her household, which would obviously include her son there, ate for many days. There was provision for the prophet. Why? Because it was the place of his mission. It was where he was sent. As a matter of fact, John Osteen, who's the father of Joel Osteen, preached one of his most famous sermons right out of here. A sermon called A Place Called There. And that's why the emphasis on there. Because where is there for you? There is the place that you've been sent. There's the place of your mission. And if you are not where your mission is, you will not be where your provision is. But if you are where your mission is, then you won't miss a beat. Even if the brook dries up, the Lord says, time to move over here. You go there and there's provision there because you're at your place called there. (laughs) Now, how about the ministry of Jesus? Would you say Jesus was on a mission? Yeah, quite an important mission. And during Jesus' mission, he came over to a point, Matthew 17, where he, the, the, they questioned Peter and said, doesn't your master pay the temple tax? And Peter said, well, yeah, he does. And uh, the, the way this passage ends up is that Jesus gave this instruction to Peter. Now we're talking about this particular area here Don't forget, it's supernatural direction and insight. Knowing where to go, who to talk to, and where to find what you need. So Jesus knew supernaturally what to do and told Peter. He said, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take the fish that you catch first and open its mouth and you'll find a piece of money. Take that out and pay the temple tax for you and for me. 
See, the, the interesting thing is that when they initially approached it, they said, doesn't Jesus pay the temple tax? But you see, Jesus wanted to reward Peter for going out and doing the fishing and doing the work. So ultimately, Jesus said, you're not just paying for me, you're doing the work, so you're going to get your taxes paid out of this too. (laughs) But the interesting thing that I want to get across to you is that there was supernatural insight. And you say, "And, and, and you know what, we've heard this for years. Yeah, but that was Jesus. I can't expect stuff like that. I can't expect just to know things and go there and wow, that worked out pretty neat. Oh yeah? What do you think Jesus meant when he said that for those that believe on him, that the works that I do will you do also in greater works than these will we do because I go to the Father? This is one of the works of Jesus. This is one of the works of Jesus. Where he knew things supernaturally. And because of that supernatural knowledge, it led to provision that he needed in order to fulfill his mission. Go to Mark 11. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 11. I want to look at a few more instances here in the ministry of Jesus. I mean, in in Elijah's ministry, how did he know that? The Lord spoke to him. The Lord speaks. The Lord speaks today in 2012. Expect him to speak. As a matter of fact, you are sheep of the good shepherd. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the sheep of the good shepherd hear the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So there should be expectation on us to hear his voice. The Bible says for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if you're a son of God or a daughter of God, then you've got it in writing in the Holy Bible that you should have an expectation to be led by the Spirit of God. Mark 11, are you there? Look at verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near uh, Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you've entered you will find a coat tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the coat tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the coat? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. And ultimately what happened, that was the coat that Jesus rode on his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem on what many of us refer to as Palm Sunday. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So there was provision. A coat that 
nobody had ever ridden on before. That that was that that was the equivalent of a new car. <laughs> Something nobody ever drove before. This was a colt nobody ever rode before. And Jesus knew where it was. And he knew what the disciples were going to be questioning about it. So he just gave him a scoop. If anybody says anything to you, you just go ahead and say, the Lord has need of it. Now you're in Mark 11, go to Mark 14. Someone say provision for the mission. Mark chapter 14. We're going to start reading with verse 12 here. Now we've all talked, heard about and talked about what, what is known as the Last Supper. Well, how, how did they ever get access to this place where they had the Last Supper? And where also they were on the day of Pentecost when those early Christians were first baptized in the Holy Ghost. How did they get access to that location where they were? This is the story of how it happened. Verse 12, Mark 14. It says, now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there, make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, let me give you a more up-to-date illustration of that in my own life. This is probably, uh, well, this is going back some time. It's certainly not, not recent time. I was in need of a, uh, a part-time job. It was going years back. And I spent time talking to the Lord about that. And, uh, you know, just really didn't know exactly what direction to go. But I just spent about two hours talking to the Lord about it. And just tried to listen for some direction. And all I got out of this time of prayer, and it was a wonderful time, but all I got out of it was, was a little nudge inside to call somebody up and check on It's like, all right. That's all I had to go on. <laughs> I didn't know how it was related or if it was related. I just really had a nudge in my heart that I was supposed to do that, so we'll just do it. And in the course of conversation, this uh, gentleman said, you know, I have uh, 
just recently started my own business and it's taken off pretty well. And I have one part-time employee and one's not enough. I need to get another part-time employee. And I didn't hold my peace one bit. I said, you talking to the man. Provision. But how has that provision come about? By getting a direction from the Lord. Even though I didn't realize that there was connected. God knew it was connected, but I didn't know it was connected. But you don't always have to know if it's connected or not. All you got to do is do what you're told. Look at somebody to your left and right and say, do what you're told. Hey, all right. But I want to bring up something to let you know this is not just some 2,000 years ago wonderful thing that happened in the ministry of Jesus, but it's not apropos for anybody else. No, this is real stuff that the Lord wants to accomplish in you. The Holy Ghost will show you things to come. He's in there. He's in there to talk to you, to show you things, to bring things to your attention, even to give you a nudge to call somebody and say, all right, I'll call them, but what does that have to do with what I've been talking to you about the last two hours? I could have said that to the Lord. I'd look real dumb if I did. Because after I went and did what he told me to do, I saw how connected it was. Can I hear an amen? amen. Let's talk about the favor of God. Talk about provision for the mission. You can't help but think about the Israelites on their exodus out of Egypt. How they requested of the Egyptians on their way out. And the Egyptians were very glad to accommodate because they're like, we tired of these plagues. Y'all need to get out of here. And the Israelites were asking from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Egyptians were all too glad to say, you can have whatever you want as long as you get yourselves out of here. And the scripture says that they plundered the Egyptians. There was provision because they were about to go on a mission. And that mission was leaving Egypt behind and going to the land of promise that flowed with milk and honey. And God even knew that their hard-headedness would keep them walking around for a while. So therefore, God in his graciousness brought further provision and made sure that their shoes lasted a real long time. As a matter of fact, I had one car... I called it my Israelite shoe because it just kept on going and going and going and going. <laughs> but the favor of God, are you with me? The favor of God. What would it be that would cause an Egyptian to want to just hand over their stuff to the Israelites? Because the favor of God was upon Israel. And as the favor of God was upon Israel, they were being given the things necessary that would ultimately help them on their journey down the road. As a matter of fact, that gold and that silver, 
You think it eventually got put to use? It sure did. As a matter of fact, you ever take notice about all the gold that was required to build the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant? Got some gold from Egypt, sanctified it, and used it for the Lord's use. Hallelujah. The Lord don't mind using Egyptian gold. Come on now. All right. I want to go ahead and we're really going to do some reading in these next few minutes. But there's some nuggets here that, that, that you will miss half your life if you don't get this. This is so rich. So I really want you to focus. And we're going to look at two Old Testament men, Nehemiah and Ezra. Nehemiah first. Go to Nehemiah chapter 2. And one reason why you need to focus, I know some of y'all never even read these books. Or, or if you've read them, you've not read them very often. Or, or, you, or you, you know, start reading and you see all the, the, the begats in there that so-and-so is the son of so-and-so. And, you know, which you got some of that in Ezra and then you... You know, uh, uh, that, that trips you up and, and, and you miss the goodies that, that you'd otherwise get if you just hung in there. Nehemiah chapter 2. My goodness, I want you to see this. And what we're talking about now is the favor of God. Can you say the favor of God? That one way. That the Lord can get you provision for your mission is through favor. Chapter 2 of Nehemiah, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Keep in mind that this is the time where the children of God were taken captive. And he's talking about his city, Jerusalem. Verse 4, then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, (laughs) I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Now, before we read verse seven, he's already got some favor because he got the blessing to go. But if he had the blessing to go on a mission, but didn't have provision, then he's going to get the mission done. Isn't that right? Make sense? Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Furthermore, that means we ain't done yet. Furthermore, I said to the king, 
if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple and for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Someone say, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. So he wants a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. I need some beams for three things. There's the gate of the citadel for the temple. I need some beams for the city wall. And beside that king, I need me a place to live while I'm there. So he got beams. He, he got letters from the king. And he got the beams, the provision that he needed for the gates, for the city wall, and to have his own place to live. And that last line of verse 8 says, The king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And I want you to know tonight, the good hand of your God is upon you. Well, that's Nehemiah. Go to Ezra chapter 1. So that's one, one book behind Nehemiah is Ezra. So you don't have to go far. Right behind Nehemiah is Ezra. We're going to Ezra 1. And we'll start reading with verse 1 once you get there. A lot of good stuff here in Ezra that you all just got to see. Woo! Ezra 1 verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. I want you to know, you need some provision for your mission. You just never know who God got in his back pocket that he can go ahead and stir him up for your benefit and for the provision that you need to fulfill your mission. We just say, well, pastor, I'm not quite sure what my mission is. Well, if you don't know what you're sent to do, then go ahead and spend more time with the sender because the sender knows what he sent you out to do. So if you, if you need to know what you're sent to do, spend time with the sender. It's as simple as that. And you might say, but, but you know, I, I just work a nine to five job and go to church on Sunday morning, Wednesday night and uh, every other chance I get. Well, let me tell you this. If your mission is to just go ahead and work hard, take care of the house of God financially by obeying God regarding your finances and your giving to the local church and in your service to the local church. 
If that's your mission and you're doing that, then don't you think that God would be interested in bringing some provision to you that fits your mission? Don't you think that I, I, the Lord said, I got somebody, every time they get $100, 10 goes to me. Every, every time they get, they, they, they get something extra, you know, they, they always give the tithe and they always throw an offering in there too. Do, don't you think that the Lord might say, whoa, somebody taking care of me this good. If I bring more provision their way, they're going to take that their chunk out of that provision that they usually do and get more to the mission. You see what I'm saying? So don't underestimate where you are and say, well, I'm not Nehemiah or Ezra or Jesus. Whatever your mission is, God is interested in it because he's the one who gave it to you. You can't underestimate or talk down about something that originated with God. If God's the sender and he did the sending and the mission for you is what you have been sent to do, don't down your mission. Don't talk disparagingly about your mission, but embrace it and treat it like it's the most important thing in the world because for you it is because by you doing it, you set yourself up to stand before him one day and hear the words, well done. So don't, don't, don't speak disparagingly of your mission. There, I got that out of my system. Thank you, Lord. All right. Now, where were we? I know what, let's start reading verse one again. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. And also put it in writing saying, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all his people. May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem and whoever is left in any place where he dwells. Let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the father's houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. See these guys here, they got their mission. They, their spirits were moved by God and their mission was to get up, go and start building the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Look at verse six. And all those who were around them, all those who were around who? The people that just got the mission in the verse before. Verse six again. And all those who were around them encouraged them. How did they encourage them? With a few kind words. Said, rah, rah, you can do it. 
No, it says they encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. So I want you to see this here. These guys got their mission, their mission. God had moved on the spirits for them to go and build the house of the Lord. And then all those who were around them encouraged them. How did they encourage them? With some provision, provision for the mission. All right, here we go. Now, this project of getting the temple rebuilt met some resistance. But then ultimately at the end of chapter five, the, the, uh, the, the people of God really said, all right, let's go ahead and do this. So since, since y'all are messing with us and there's people that have risen up against us to, to, to slow down our work or to get our work stopped altogether. And then uh, Cyrus wasn't even king anymore. There's a new king. King Darius is king now. But I want you to look at the last verse of chapter 5 in Ezra. 5 verse 17. Oh Lord. Now therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon. Whether it is so that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send us pleasure, uh, send us his pleasure concerning this matter. So we saw that the king actually made that decree right in the beginning of chapter one. We read that. But now what they're saying is, hey, if you don't believe us, if you think we're just doing this on our own, go ahead and check the records. Go ahead and go into the file cabinet and check out the former decrees and you're going to see that what we're doing, we were instructed by the king himself to do. Chapter 6, verse 1. Let's keep reading. Then King Darius issued a decree and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. And at Akmetha, in the palace that is in the province of Media, a scroll was found And in it, a record was written thus. Verse 3, in the first year of King Cyrus, King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations of it be firmly laid, its height 60 cubits and its width 60 cubits, with three rows of heavy stones and one row of new timber, And let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. Oh, come on now. Verse 5. Now, this is rich. You got to see this. This is favor, y'all. Also, let the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple, which is in Jerusalem, and brought to Babylon, be restored and taken back to the temple, which is in Jerusalem, each to its place and deposit them in the house of God. Now, therefore, Tadani, governor of the region beyond the river, and Shethar Bosni, and your companions, the Persians who are beyond the river, keep yourselves far from there. Let the work of this house of God alone. 
let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God on its site. Verse 8, moreover, I issue a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God. Let the costs be paid at the king's expense from taxes on the region beyond the river. This, these taxes are to be given immediately to these men so that they are not hindered. And whatever they need, young bulls, rams, lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, oil, according to the requests of the priests who are in Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail. Woo! All right. We got to wrap up, but we got some more reading to do right here in Ezra. You, you, you think we're done yet? Oh, it's, it gets even better. Look at Ezra 7. Ezra 7, verse 6. This is a, really an introduction of who Ezra is in, in, in uh, chapter 7. It, 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 it shows you his lineage all the way back down to Aaron, who was the brother of Moses. Verse 6, this Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. My, 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 my. Someone might think, well, that's good for Ezra. No, it's not just good for Ezra. It's good for us. Because <laughs> the hand of the Lord is on you. Someone say the hand of the Lord is upon me. Right now, I have provision for my mission. So here's, here's a question. Am I, is what I'm doing just something to do or is what I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is what I'm doing just something to do or is what I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Because if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you're on your mission. And if you're on your mission, you're in the place of provision. But if you're not on your mission, things are going to be real tight there. And it's not that it can't get tight when you're on your mission, but the Lord always came through. When the brook dried up, what God tell Elijah? Go to Zarephath. There was another there, another place of provision for him. You see that? So that's why it is imperative to all of us that we've got our mission down, that, that we are active about our mission because if you got that together, then you can be sure that you will have the provision that goes along with the mission. Chapter 7, verse 11. Are you ready? This is a lengthy uh, portion we're about to read here, but it's good. Verse 11. You got your Bibles open. Here we go. Ezra seven eleven. This is a copy of the letter. 
the king Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest, the scribe, expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. And here's the letter. Artaxerxes, king of kings. I had to break the news to him, but that, line, that, that uh, title's already taken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's go on. To, to Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of the God of heaven, perfect peace and so forth. I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem may go with you. This is part of the provision. He needed the people. He needed the help. Part of the provision was that the king issued a decree that said the people, the manpower, the help may go with you. Verse 14. And whereas you are being sent by the king and his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the law of your God, which is in your hand. And whereas you are to carry the silver and gold, which the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem. And whereas all the silver and gold that you may find in all the province of Babylon, along with the freewill offering of the people and the priests are to be freely offered for the house of their God in Jerusalem. Now look at this kind of favor, not just that they're uh, uh, getting uh, silver and gold uh, in verse 15, which the king and his counselors freely offered to the God of Israel. But then in verse 16, it says that all the silver and gold you can find in all the province of Babylon. This is, I, I don't say the word, but if I were to use the word, I'd say unbelievable. But no, with God, it's very believable. Verse 17. Now, therefore, be careful to buy with this money bulls, rams, lambs with their grain offerings and their drink offerings and offer them on the altar of the house of your God in Jerusalem. Now. He said, I don't want any uh, misappropriation of funds. So that's what verse 17 is about. Use it for this purpose. But then verse 18 comes in. And whatever seems good to you and your brethren to do with the rest of the silver and gold, do it according to the will of your God. So there wasn't just enough for all the things that the temple needed, there was extra too. And I tell you, in your provision that you get when you're fulfilling your mission, along with what you need for the mission, there's always that extra. Like with Nehemiah, yep, here's the timber for the temple, the, the citadel, the, here's the temple for the city walls, but, but I mean the timber for the city walls, but then here's the timber so you can have a house to live in while you're doing the work of God. Yeah, hey, hey. All right. Verse 19. Also, the articles that are given to you for the service of the house of your God, deliver in full before the God of Jerusalem. And whatever more may be needed for the house of your God, which you may have occasion to provide, pay for it from the king's treasury. And I, even I, Artaxerxes the king, 
issue a decree to all the treasurers who are in the region beyond the river that whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven may require of you, let it be done diligently. Up to 100 talents of silver, 100 cores of wheat, 100 baths of wine, 100 baths of oil, and salt without prescribed limit. Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? In other words, the king's saying, I want God to get everything he wants because the last thing I want is God not to be on my good side. Verse 24, also we inform you that it shall not be lawful to impose tax, tribute, or custom on any of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, the Nethinim, which were temple assistants, or servants of this house of God. So, After all these other goodies, I like verse 24. As a matter of fact, I want to send that to to, uh, President Obama and also Governor Romney. Whoever wins, I want them to to pay attention to that. I like the idea of the church employees not paying taxes. Lord have mercy. (laughs) But look at the favor that was given all throughout this book. You've read it for yourself. You've heard it for yourself. My question to you, has God changed? Is he still the same? Does God still send people on missions? Are you one of them? Are you about your mission? Well, if you are about your mission, there's provision for your mission. And if you're not on your mission, you can make the correction like I did earlier. When I got off track, I repented, which means I turned around and got back to the path that I was supposed to be on. And then I kept going on that path that I was supposed to be on. And when I needed that cup of water, it was right there. God had it there before I even started my journey. God's got stuff for you set up, strategically placed before you even started your journey. So that when you get into that particular place in time and you didn't deviate from the road, you just stayed steady on the road. Then when you get to that point in time, the very thing that God knew you would need at that moment was already put there before you even started. And God was just waiting for you to get there because when you got to that point of your mission where you needed the provision, it would have already been there just like God already had a ram on top of Mount Moriah to be the offering in place of Isaac. Somebody give God praise tonight. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo. We made it. Let's pray. Father, we give you honor and glory. You're so wonderful and good to us. Lord, we thank you that that you have sent us. You've commissioned us. And Lord, we want to be very diligent to fulfill the mission that you've called us to fulfill. To do it. And to do it right. And to do it with gladness of heart, with a pure heart. And I thank you, Father, that as a result, 
when we get to the point where we need the provision, it'll be there. It'll be waiting for us. It'll be accessible to us. We believe that in Jesus' name.